Welcome to Tots, man. I'm, I'm glad to have you on. Terrence Wheeler, founder of Lumere Vodka. Taste the love. Taste I love Lumiere it. Lumere Vodka. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you had a long day today, man. As every day now. As every it's day. when you're starting a brand. You, you've got everything going. Yeah. it's It's been kicking my ASS. <laughs> I mean, you when you're launching a brand, though, I mean, it's like... You you were saying earlier, like you don't have a second to yourself. You no. you're trying to to get this out there. How long have you been working on this? I've been working on it for about five years. I've been working on it since I was in college, and like the vision just just hit me like like just had this vision. And at the same that, at that time, I was just sitting there like, you know, you kind of you you have you have all these moments of self doubt. Just like, nah, I can't do that. I that, I, that couldn't be me. I couldn't I couldn't yeah. be picked to do this and. I mean, I just went after it. Like, I that wasn't even my major. That was my background. And someone just told me, I'm going to go to the library. I'm going to get some business books. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I started reading, started going, to, started going to business departmental buildings, things of that sort. Started talking to science teachers on campus. Then next thing I'm out of school, I'm talking to real experts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in labs. And, and man, five years, five years later, after all this research, all this knowledge, all these probably about 150 no's. Um, we have we have love. I love it. <laughs> I love the love. <laughs> hey, I love it too. <laughs> I think too, like, I, I've talked to a lot of founders, a lot of creators of different brands. Um, someone that, that uh, I connected you with, Carlos Soto, the founder of uh, No Sotros Tequila, also a uh, creator of Tesla Tequila with Elon. Mm. Um, a lot of people like that that I talk to have like very similar mentality and it's it's weird because you can't like put a label on it to me, but it's kind of like this, like what you just said, right? Like I have this doubt in the beginning. Let me do like a little homework. Let me see if I could figure this out a little bit. And you uh -huh. just build and build and build. Um, and the name of my episode with Carlos was No Plan B, because when I talked to him, this was like way earlier on in uh, the podcast. I it was much more scripted. We had like all this stuff. And uh, I remember one of the questions I asked him was like, dude, like if your va uh, your tequila doesn't work out, like what's, what's plan B for you? Like what would you do if you didn't own the brand Nosotros? And he was like, fuck, man, like nothing. I don't know. I don't there's no plan B here. And I think that that's something that's very indicative of like your brand that's very indicative of a lot of these brands where it's like yeah like uh -huh. you you have a, a good career outside of this but this is like your thing and i think it's also different like and it's difficult for people to hear like you you spent five years on this you you were spending money and time for five years with nothing to finally now like this week or the next few weeks release this brand like what is that like to be to be going after it for a long, long time, and and then to finally have that release happen. Well, I mean, I, I have like a thousand words inside of me, and I'm trying to just process them real fast. I, I mean, I just think where I started, and I think when you don't have the resources, and you don't have the background, then you get creative. And being creative is something you can't teach that. You can't develop a curriculum for that. You can't you can't have that passed down to you. Like you have to just know how to make something work with what you have. And the people who understand how to be creative, and then and then when you put persistence behind it, behind your creativity, you're unstoppable. You're unstoppable. And I mean, when I first started, like, I mean, I, I really started from nothing with this brand. I didn't, you know, my, I, I don't, I don't come from money as far as my family things. That's sort of regular, regular middle class family. Um, I came from. I mean, I I started in college. I was selling juice, in a bag, calling it Liddy Juice. Liddy Juice. Yeah. And I didn't even know what I was gonna do after. Like, I was just doing it to make some extra money, and it was just a cool thing. You know, it just looked cool. It had like this bluish greenish hue to it. And then, you know, I used to go to the dollar store, go get these bottles. Then I slapped the label on it. And I was just like, man, this is doing so well. And it just started, um, 
everybody just wanted this litty juice all over campus and things of that sort. And then from out, you know, external schools and things of that sort too. And then when I got out of school and this is when I think this is the transition, this is the turn. Cause you see, when you, when you, when you're still in college, you're still like in this incubator and like, you don't really have any responsibility, but when you have to be responsible for your work, like you have to be responsible for your work. That's when, that's when the whole dynamic in your thinking changes. That's when the persistence comes behind the creativity. And like, I, you know, when you first got to school, it's kind of hard to get a job, things of that sort. Cause I mean, you might be educated or you might have your degree behind you, but then you gotta, you have to prove yourself. So that was the, just the biggest word inside of me, like prove yourself. And I used to just go in rooms. I used to have this bottle of Liddy, just like, just this passionate kid, like, I, I remember I used to just I used to talk so much into a room, so much passion into a room. Like the room, the room would literally start sweating. Like it would just get hot in there. People were like, hey, is it hot in here? Like, <laughs> like, nah, that's just that's just the amount of passion that was coming from me. And um I would Uber, I would to come up with money for to start this brand, I would um I would I would, you know, find any type of mentors I could on LinkedIn. I was emailing people, I was calling people. I just did anything I could to get Lumiere to be Lumiere, you know, to get it started. So that's the that's the story behind it. Yeah, I love that, too, because it's uh, what you just said, like, reminds me a lot of that saying uh, that, like, hard work beats talent if talent doesn't work hard. Mm-hmm. And I think you were kind of talking about, like, the creativity aspect, but you need, like, the perseverance behind it or else it's not it's not going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I think you kind of prove that that model does work. And it's, I think it's inspiring for people to hear a story like that, because you came from nothing, you had no experience in this, you started doing this thing in college, and like, just kept building it and building it and building it. And then you were like, I got to try vodka, let's just go into that. And it's interesting, too, because I think a lot of people like a more planned out, like, roadmap like okay at this stage in your brand you do this at this Mm -hmm. stage you do this this is exactly how you do it like you don't differ from the plan you were going off of no plan essentially like just just trying to like scrap and and do whatever you could and then you you made this which is like amazing like this this looks awesome i've i've tasted it uh i think we should have some right now but um it's really cool to see kind of like that hard work like pay off and like come together yeah yeah i mean when we so i'll say this there was a plan okay but the plan never went as planned (laughs) (laughs) anything i did i promise i spent a lot of money just doing things and things that did not work out for lemire like lemire could have failed at least probably about six i'll give it about six or seven times how much money did you spend I spent about once I had pulled pretty much all the receipts on it, probably about sixty six thousand. That's crazy. I just as my own money. I had to farm that money. Yeah. And put that into my brand. And you know, when, you know, when you first coming out of school, I just <laughs> you we aren't we aren't paid that heavily. And I no, I put all I put all my dollars where I wasn't traveling, I wasn't partying, I wasn't clubbing, I wasn't spending my money on food and this and that. I wasn't putting my money on clothes. I wasn't trying to be the coolest or the bestest. Like I, I put all my money and my time in Lemire and I got out of school. I believed in it. Yeah. That's crazy too. Like just, just taking that jump. Like we said earlier, like it's not like you didn't have any like plan B, but like uh-huh. this was your plan A. Like, yeah, I, I know how it feels too, to like take money that you're earning and you're like looking at your savings and then you're looking at like, yeah, but I kind of need to buy this for this brand I'm trying to start. And like, I kind of need to do this. And like, that's, that's a tough decision. Because you could be putting money, like you said, like towards something that could potentially fail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's, I, I'll say this, people used to speak the failure aspect to me. But see, I, I'll say this, and this is what a lot of people like to do, they like to create this imposter out of you in your mind like you're crazy or something. And that's how that's how I used to feel when I used to go into rooms and I used to present this and I was I was, I was a lot younger at the time. I was about well like what? 20, 
22 when I was like really, really pushing Lumiere, the developmental aspects of Lumiere. And it caught on after after a while. And I started getting passed on by a lot of investors. And that's when I started traveling, things of that sort. But I remember people just sit there and just laugh. Like, he's what does this guy know? He's 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 crazy. He he really thinks that, oh, you got absolute, you got kettle one, you got great goose, you got chopping, you got Tito's, you got, you know what I mean? I could keep going, but people want to speak these, this sense of failure into you and who you are, who you think you're going to be, because they could never do it. They don't see that person in them, and so they're going to project this imposter onto you. It's insecurity. It's insecurity. You're, you're taking a risk. <clears throat> you And I think the biggest thing, too, it, and it sounds like super cliche, but you care. Mm-hmm. You care deeply about something mm-hmm. enough to put a huge portion of your time, money, and energy towards it. And I think to certain people, like you're kind of referencing, like it, it makes them insecure. Mm-hmm. And so it's easy to like take a step back and be like, that's so fucking dumb. Like, why would you even do that? Why would you try and do that? Like, what's the point? And I think it's it comes from a place, obviously, of that insecurity, but also like, Mm-hmm. disbelief like i couldn't personally do that so i can't imagine terrence doing that because everybody thinks they're typically like better than other people and they're like mm-hmm. well, if i couldn't do that how, man, how could so terrence true. do that man that's so true people people just love thinking they're better than you and i think it's just a really it's a tough pill to swallow to humble yourself before the next, the next person. Uh, you know what I mean? I, I know yeah. that. I know that sounds crazy to a lot of people, but I, like I said, I don't. You, you never know what it takes to participate, and the cost of what it takes to participate, and what somebody else is going on for themselves. And people underestimate it, and they sit there. Hmm, I could do that, or oh, well, I don't. He could. He couldn't. He could never do that. You know, they sit there and they judge you, off superficial basis, and they don't have to say so. No one really knows what's going to happen with something. No. No one knows. It's up in the air. That's kind of the fun of it, right? Like, hey, would, would starting this brand have been as much fun as it was or as rewarding as it is now you're launching mm-hmm. after five years if there wasn't some sort of associated risk of like, hey, this might not work out. I don't think it would be the same. I, I had those feelings I, I, you know, and this is this is stuff where founders don't like to be transparent, or I just say, you know, business people in general like to be all, you know, all, all uppity and all positive, and yeah, you know, it's just be honest. Yeah, you know, just just be on, just be honest about what your day to day looks like. And I'm very I'm very big on authenticity. Like, yeah. I will tell you exactly how I'm feeling when I, especially when. It was time to really get into stores. Even once the product's finished, I was like, holy shit, I didn't spend all this money. <laughs> this product's <laughs> traveled across the world. Now it has to get in these stores. Like, I definitely had this moment of doubt. And then when I had to, and then, see, this is the thing. Once you get something made, and once you put your time and your money into it, and once it gets here, and then actually doing it, the execution part is totally different than web planning part. Yeah. And so once you plan it, and it goes, it goes the way you plan. You know, you get everything done. The execution part is a totally different entrepreneur from the planning part. And that's what, that's what separates entrepreneurs. And when it was time to get in those stores, I could just remember people telling me, you ain't going to get in those stores. Oh, what? You'd be lucky if you sell one case. You'd be lucky if, you know, it, it gets, how are you going to compete with this brand and that brand? Lumiere has done 50 plus stores. No, I'm sorry, 50 plus locations. And we did that in one month. That's insane. One month. That's nuts. With little resources, no marketing behind it. Stores trusted Lumiere. Stores trusted Terrence Wheeler for that bottle to sit on the shelf and it was going to move. They trusted a young black man and his brand to occupy their shelf out of all these luxury brands. And I just want to, I just want people to know like, People just have to stop speaking impossibility and things. And they just have to. And realize that whatever you have in your head, it's there for a reason. There's tangibility behind it. 
if you want it to happen, I, our minds are so powerful. I don't even, I don't even, like when people talk about like that 2% that we only tap into, there is like a whole nother dimension that we can use. And I know it sounds cliche because I know people hear this all the time. I'm doing, like, I've, I've done it. I've seen it happen now. Like, I, I know, I know it can happen. So it's like, if, if we use that, like that special thing in us, like that, that special gift that we all have, like, man, that vision is, it's, it's like, it's a real fabric to it. And you just have to lay it on the universe and you got to let it just happen for you. For sure. <clears throat> yeah, that was very inspiring. Sorry, I like I that. I no, just, we gotta I got put in, music got, behind no, that. I got, I got into like that. I got in that mood, like where it just, it just gets me. No, I love mm. that. Let's, uh, let's open this up. I haven't. Oh man, I haven't had it in like. When did we first meet? Like two months ago, more yes. than that. Maybe out time flies. It so, does. It sucks being an adult now. Tell me about like, this bottle again, because this is like a. This is not like a regular bottle. You can see it on the. I mean, it's shiny. It's got the nice branding. Tell, tell me a little bit more about it. So the bottle. So I, I get this. I get this sometimes. The the difference in what this bottle is, or uh, actually, I don't, don't want to explain it from that point of view. The rate. The reason I designed it the way it is. There's a reason behind every label, every color, every little detail on the bottle. There's a reason behind it. The reason it is concealed is because we are attracted to our own mystery. If I, and I, I mean, there's a point of sale and there's a business reason behind it, of course, too. I needed to pop out on the show. And, you know, I, yeah, but I want to. <laughs> like I, how you go I, into this, you're like, like, you're like talking about like, like the behind the scenes and like what it really means. And you're like, but it's got to move too. Yeah, like, yeah, well, yeah, yeah there's, there's a business reason behind it, of course. I don't want to do all the boring stuff, though. But for, what happened, what went on in my mind was we're attracted to our own mystery. Just think about when you can't see something or you're talking to the unknown, it's like, Man, what if I like if I told you go open this door? I'm I'm not gonna tell you what's behind it. Even though you might be scared as hell to open that door, you're gonna you're gonna walk away and be like, man, what is behind that door? What's behind that door? Always gonna wonder. Yeah, and you're always gonna wonder. And the fact that people can't see in that bottle, and the fact that they have to just it's not even about the logo or anything else, but it's about the shape and the color. Yeah. When you look at that bottle, you have to remember that bottle. Oh yeah. And people start to reference. Out. Yeah, I mean, people don't even have to remember the name immediately, but hey, man, that liquor and that green bottle, that vodka and that green bottle is that that, that stuff is nice. I started hearing people say that because yeah, call it the green bottle. It, it's the green it's, bottle. It's, it's the green bottle. It's standing vodka. in your mind now. You see what I mean? So it's mm, it's a psychological, that. just kind of like trance on people. We're gonna get a nice sound here, Eddie. Uh oh. Oh wow, that was so clean. The brand is success. It smells great. I mean, uh, what do you think? One rock, two rocks. Let's I'll do one rock. One rock. Yeah. Let's see. Let me get. I got these little. Look at that. That's that's some Ooh, high class. Real crystalline. Nice. <laughs> oh yeah. I gave you a tiny rock. Oh yeah. And one thing about when you when you just lay it over a piece of ice. Or a rock, as we would say, is, and everything just blossoms, like a flower just opens up. Opens up, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it just gets like this silkiness to it. It gets like this creaminess, and in, in, in your mouth, and that's the real craft to it. And you actually, you actually get more of the aromas as well too as it opens up. All right, so teach me how to smell, because I had you smell some whiskey earlier. You're doing a lot of things. You're telling me about a lot of notes, and I, I like that. But I all mm -hmm. I've known how to do is you just put your nose in it, but I don't think that's right. So, okay, so the key with alcohol is, I, and I used to do this too when I first started, you don't want to swirl it because like you're, actually, okay. you're actually volatizing the ethanol and vaporizing okay. it to your nose. So I just, so I just screwed up right there. Just, just a little bit. Okay. Little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so when you swirl it, you're you're volatizing that, that, that ethanol. And you don't want it to crowd your nose and then crowd out the, the good or pleasant aromas or elements within the spirit. So you're just going to put your nose to it. And you go, you're going to open your mouth just a little bit. You're going to pull away. 
and then you just allow it, to, you just allow your mind to process that. And when you open your mouth just a little bit, that allows you to actually detect more of the aromas within the spirit. Interesting. Okay. So, but but the more you the more you would open your mouth, I think you would actually disrupt it. Or actually, it might be the other way around. I actually might be. So, <laughs> I'm actually confusing confusing my teaching a little bit. So, but yeah, I think the, the more if the more you open your mouth just a little bit, the more you'll actually be able to because you want to breathe. You actually want to breathe your mouth just a little bit as you breathe your nose. Here you go. And just take the time to process everything, and you'll be able to pick up the distinctness in what you're sipping. And if you can't pick it up, then that spirit just doesn't have real craft. Okay. All right. I, I definitely picked up like the vanilla notes in it for sure. Uh-huh. It's almost a little a bourbon like on the nose. That's, it, that's that was what screwed me up about this whole thing is because when we first met and I tasted it, I was like, that's not, you said this was vodka. That's no. not vodka. It doesn't taste like vodka. Uh, no, I don't. It's Lumiere vodka. It's Lumiere vodka. It's not vodka. Exactly. First there was vodka, then there was love. I love. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta look at the camera. And put a little. Hey, <laughs> we can taste right the first time. <laughs> I love that. All right, walk me through some some tasting here. So as you so as you did that, kind of like that first nose. So do it one more time. And then directly after that, just tap it on your palate. And then you just allow it to just kind of just slide over your palate. And that actually stimulates your palate, warms it up, and tells it that you're consuming whatever consuming. And then you there's just so many different biochemical responses going on within your mouth. And then it's telling it, oh, you're drinking alcohol. So sometimes people just go. They're like, oh, right. man, it burned the shit out of my mouth. Like, like no wonder you yeah. downed it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just people just mess. And I mean, it's it's kind of like a secret trade to it, but I mean, people don't know. And it sometimes depends on what you just drank or what you just ate, and then it can all impact really those molecules and all that scientific response is going on within your mouth. So then, when you after directly after that sip, now you're gonna actually take a full sip. And you're just you're just gonna like swish it around just a little bit in your mouth. And then you breathe a little bit while it's in your mouth, and you'll pick up everything. And you notice how that's actually more pleasant with that sip. Yeah. It doesn't doesn't bother your mouth at all. The finish. That was burnt. a little strange. Yeah. Yeah, because you actually just told your body, "Hey, I'm drinking alcohol. Get ready." That's so strange. Yeah. I. I will say this too, like um, we were talking about bourbons earlier. Like, I'm a big bourbon guy. I love whiskey. This to me feels more like I'm drinking, not like taste wise per se, but like mouth feel and like general like feeling around it. So how do you it's feel more about like it? drinking like a whiskey than wow. it is like a vodka to me. Like I can't sip on vodka. I'm not a vodka person, mm -hmm. which is one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on because. I tasted your vodka and I'm like, that shit doesn't taste like vodka. That's amazing. <laughs> it's like, like I could sip on that. Like I uh, would like a bourbon. And it's, that was really confusing for me, uh, but it's, it's part of how you made it right. Like, like talk to me a little bit more about some of the ingredients that go into it, why it's different. It's not really a vodka anymore. It's the uh, next thing. Yes. Yeah, so what makes all right, actually, let me let me actually start with the process where it comes from. So it's made at Dutch Craft Distillery in Zeewold, Netherlands. So that's the rural part of Holland, right near the shoreline. And, you know, it, there's a there's a very mild climate in that area. And what we do is we only procure the Dutch barley. I'm big on Dutch agriculture because they're one of the international leaders and agricultural technology and innovation. And they really value their crop yields and just the overall soil quality. And so people don't think a lot of the time in the industry, some distillers get it, some don't, that what you, the, the level, the soil quality or the soil ecos, the, the soil 
chemical ecosystem does not impact the overall grain, but it does. And the character of Dutch barley has uniqueness to it. And when we basically mill it and, you know, then heat it up and sacrification occurs and then, you know, converting starches to sugars, all those, all those good things. It, there's a certain level of character that you're actually putting into the spirit. And that's not present when you're just growing things wildly or using all these pesticides or GMOs or all these other things like that. No, they do. They do impact the spirit. And even I'm not, let's, let's not even mention pesticides. Let's just mention the overall soil health. Mm-hmm. that impact just think about if you're not eating or drinking good things i mean we're gonna look disgusting and feel disgusting same thing with plants it's a plant in the, the day and that if you if you know if you grind up a nasty plant you're gonna get some nasty stuff so right. and that's what and, and that's what makes that unique and that's what gives it that the malted barley actually gives the sweetness people don't know that they people think that it's the sugar people are like oh sugar like no the malted barley actually gives the sweetness there's a lot of sugar and glucose than the barley. And the panela, we procure that from El Salvador. That's the, the unrefined sugar, The right? unrefined sugar. It's evaporated sugar cane juice. And it's high in molasses content, these vitamins and minerals, I'm sorry, you know, A, B, C, D, and E, everything. And it just boasts this really, really, really nice aroma and flavor to it. And this is actually sugar in its native form. So... Americans are just so cruddy because <laughs> I get I get a, it's capitalism it's capitalism but we 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 basically sell refined sugar our table our table sugar that we have is we we don't realize how bad it actually is and for us I mean I mean I I know how all the health nutritionists and all those they they know but. We never have actually seen sugar. Panela is actually sugar in its native form. And it was very strange to me. You brought that little Tupperware to dinner, and we were like, I stuck my finger into it. It's like, a, um, reminded me a lot of like brown sugar. It just, and then the taste of it was just so different than what I've ever tasted before, like as far as sugar is concerned. I'm gonna throw you off real quick. Do it. Even brown sugars are fine, it goes through a centrifuge. But you think you would think you would think it wouldn't be as refined as um, like the regular refined sugar. And it obviously it's a little bit less, but it's still Mm -hmm. it's ultra processed, like everything else that we eat in this country. Very, very processed. I don't I don't know why we just love to process things here. I mean, it's about being quick, quick, fast and being demand. I get it. But it's wrong. (laughs) <laughs> it's, very it's bad it's wrong yeah, it's, it's very bad <laughs> i mean it's just i guess it's just seen as the american way but yeah so i'm sorry i got in i talked a little bit at length but the so we use panela sugar from el salvador we use dutch barley and it took it took me and roloff roloff is my master distiller he owns dutch craft distillery it took us 50 iterations to get the finalized distillate that we have today. It was literally us wow. shipping back samples from the Netherlands to Maryland, back and forth. And I couldn't, I had this vision of how vodka should be, or what, no, let me let me rephrase. I had this vision of what Lumiere vodka should be, and I couldn't get anybody else to meet this vision. And I, I, I think Like you this, talked to people like elsewhere and they were just not, I probably, I probably solicited about 20 distilleries. Holy shit. And I had some people willing to work with me. And, you know, there were some good conversations and some things that I was really about to move forward on. I, w- I, wanted, I was about to make it all American at one point. But it, I was like, this is not going to be my vision. Why would I sell my, myself short for something that was given, you know, uniquely and specifically designed for me. I was like, I can't sell myself short for this. I'm like, no, 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 no. No, if you're going to do it, if you're going to spend over 60 grand in five years and yes. all your time get made fun of, mm-hmm. you want to do it your way, mm-hmm. 100%. And I think that's what you did. Like, like you talk about like where it's made and then where you source um, your, what is it called? 
the sugar? It's panella sugar. Panella sugar. It's like you could not have picked two more like random faraway places no. from each other. <laughs> but but it's like you're doing your research, you're having these conversations, and you're like, this is not what it's meant to be. And then you land on a distillery and a sugar provider. Mm-hmm. And that's like you, you felt like that encompassed what you wanted to do with the brand. It it actually it, it met my vision. And I think when we finally had hit the malted barley and panella sugar ratio, which is a trade secret recipe, no other brand on the planet has this. It I remember I sipped it and I was like, this is it. My like That's my vision crazy. My vision is in my hand. Like That's I don't think like people are gonna understand how nuts that is unless they've tried to like create something. But going through fifty different iterations and like figuring out distribution and sending samples and all this stuff, you're obviously a very particular person, which I think is why this is so effing good. But spending all that time, energy, money, switching things up, trying to find what's perfect, and then finally tasting something and knowing, mm. like this is it that's wild to me like like what did it feel like when when you tasted it and you realized like this is what it's going to be it was just i i think it was just this this revelationary moment where i was just like this is it like the vision and i just want to say this again the vision was in my hand like it that uh, like you I, shed a tear. <laughs> I've, I've definitely shed. I've definitely shed some. I've had my moments, in, you know, now at launch when I'm just like, wow, it's like it's not only in my hand. It's it's in it's in a lot of people's hands. When you can hand over your vision to other people, and then they they have this this level of passion, and and glow to them. Like you just passed on the vision. That's the most beautiful thing you can do on this on this earth. I really think is the passion on your vision. Like you think about when parents, you know, teach their kids and and raise their kids a certain way, and they pass it on, and they start crying when they see them at their weddings or their graduations. They they passed on a vision, and man, I get emotional talking about it. You, it, it's just it's a beautiful thing when you can do that, and that's that's what that's what it, that's what it felt like. And I was just I was just it, it's more than just a proud moment. It's a moment of like, wow, man, I, I I can't even I can't even I can't even describe it. But it, it's it's a moment of joy. It's it's a moment of joyfulness, and that's why it's called love. Like it's I mean, not only is it abbreviating the name, but it's literally love. It's love in a bottle. So that's amazing, and it it just looks so good too. <laughs> thank like you, it's thank you. I one of the reasons why like it's like kind of dumb, but one of the reasons why like bourbons especially ones in like funky bottles like this is because they feel so like unique in themselves vodka to me like most of the brands that people like kind of fall within like the same Uh look and the same taste like it's hard for me and maybe it's just because i drink shitty vodka but (laughs) um it's hard for me to differentiate between like a cheap vodka and like one that's like 40 bucks or 50 bucks. Obviously like there's slight differences. It's probably not as like, doesn't Mm -hmm. bite as much on the front, but it's like, they feel very similar to me. Like the branding, like clear bottles, always it's clear spirit, clear bottle, almost Mm -hmm. always you got a little bit of blue in there, like some other stuff. It's just, it's boring. It's repetitive. It's been done. This is like in your face, like, we made the love. Here's the love. You're gonna want the love. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, you can take that tagline from me, man. You can have that. Hey, we just get more and more taglines. Yeah, that's so cool. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I, th- this is one of the main things I wanted to make sure I did that was different. And it's gonna take a little bit while to condition people for. It didn't really have to be conditioned for people to just get it. I didn't create a commodity. A commodity is an undifferentiated product. I was like, it's time. Like you said, there's clear bottles with a label on it. If you walk down a, a vodka aisle and you just look from left from right. Looks the same. Everything looks the same. The only thing that doesn't look the same in you are the brands that actually put marketing behind it to make sure that you didn't think they were the same. But 
this is something, it doesn't look the same. It doesn't read the same. Then you pop open the cork, it doesn't smell the same. Then it tastes the same. It's it's like, wait, this, wait, this can't be vodka. Oh, it's it's Lumiere vodka. And it's love. It's love. <laughs> <laughs> it's love. That's awesome. Yeah. That's the brand. That's the brand of success. That's the magic behind it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You got the look too for people listening. He's got the he's got a nice suit on, the green tie. He's got a nice pin going. And got my all black on. I gotta make sure. I, gotta make sure I represent the brand well. Everything everything should be synonymous in terms of when you represent a brand, you should look like the brand. Yeah, I I agree with that. I like that. You know, I think I need to wear like a. A tater tot suit around. I think be, <laughs> and I, I that wouldn't be bad though. I, I get mean. some attention for that one, right? <laughs> nah, you guess you might go viral for that one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that it would be like a great viral or like a good attention, but I mean it'd be publicity, right? I'm like damn, walking tater tot. <laughs> yes. Man, I wonder what the hell that's about. That's kind of fucking weird. He's twenty five. Wait, a tater tot. Um, so you mentioned there were times when you felt like. It, it might fail and that's like a tough mm. that's like the shittiest you t- you wanted to be open right so we're gonna go full open right mm. that's like the shittiest part about entrepreneurship is like having such a passion for things and then things start going wrong where they're just not working and you're like i don't know if this is gonna work out mm. what was like the biggest moment for you with this brand like that and like what what happened I think when, as far as the, so when, as far as what, what made me keep going or what was the part where I was like, this can't fail? Kind of both, right? Like what was, what was like the biggest thing that went wrong with the brand? Like while you were trying to figure things out and like how that moment, how you like figured your way out of that moment. I got a good one. So. I remember when I was working with a distillery. I mean, I I hate the name drop, but I'll go ahead and name drop. But I was I was working I was working with Terra Century Distillery at first, and I was really excited about working with them. And they had this ultrasonic technology helped process like sold overall chemical elements within the spirit, smoothing it, intensified its aroma, things like that. And I was it wasn't my technology, but I was pitching that and. You know, I went down there, shook everybody's hand, and I was just, I was, you know, I was still grinding out to come up with the money to just make sure I was ready for mass production. And one day, I mean, there was a transition of leadership, and they said they wanted a different direction with the brands they wanted in-house, and we weren't big enough. And <clears throat> I'm sorry, I just, I got to catch myself. I get, I get emotional about it. I've been, I've been through a lot. But I was like, when when they when he finally emailed me and told me like, you know, we we're not interested in working with you anymore. Like my heart broke because I was just like, like it's it's over. Like if I don't have, if I don't have the distillate, then it's not it, it's not real. And when he basically told me I'm not big enough, and I remember I never forget this. They shipped back. I gave him a flask, and you know some of the kind of little brand brand paraphernalia that I had produced where I was really excited to, to work with them. I just handed it over as like a gift. He shipped it back. And I'll never forget how that felt when I opened that box and I was like, <clears throat> like, I'm not, not only am I not big enough, but I'm not good enough. And I just, I, I, I'll never forget that feeling I opened that box and I saw that flash because it was like, I'm not big enough. And, and I just kept saying that to myself. And at a certain point, I was like, no, I, I, I am big enough. <laughs> I am big enough. And I, I, I kept repeating that to myself. Every time, every time, like, I would get a no in a room or someone would turn me away or I wasn't good enough to get an investment or I didn't get a call back or I didn't get an email back or someone didn't write me back or... I didn't get in that store or the distribute, you know, distributor told me, no, I wasn't good enough. I was like, I, I am big enough. I am big enough. If I got to If I got to drive to the stores and deliver this stuff myself, I'm going to do that. If I got to, if I got to go in every restaurant and, and throughout Maryland, DC, I'm going to do that. If, 
if I got to create this recipe myself, no scientists want to want to work with me, then I, I'm going to do that. If if I got to work with, you know, some the very small distillery all the way across the world that no one has ever heard of, Dutch Crab Distillery, and give them a name, I'm going to do that. I am big enough. If I got to get in 50 stores in four weeks, I, I, I'm going to do that. I'm, I'm, I'm big enough. Like, I, I kept saying that to myself and, like, I, I think I was I think I was saying it to myself so much I didn't even see what was happening while I was doing it. Cause all I could see was like someone tried to determine my failure for me when he sent me that flashback. <clears throat> and I never, ever, ever want to accept that someone thought of me that way. And that's where we are. And and that's how we're and that we're becoming successful and that's how it's selling is moving off the shelves right away and retailers love it and we're going to continue to grow and be we are one of the fastest growing brands in maryland dc right now that's amazing <clears throat> yeah yes yeah. yeah i can't imagine that that feeling of like i mean like common courtesy why are you sending that shit back like seriously i i, I don't i don't really you know, I'll never understand the angle. There's a lot of things that happened with me with Lumiere in my journey throughout the past five years where people really just said, F you. And it happens so often in the spirits industry and people do it to small brands and don't give me any accessibility. And I don't and I don't get why. Because there's so many people who have like this passion for what they're creating and what they're doing. And then they just want to give all these big brands the glory. But then, the, but then another, but then another breath will sit there complaining about, oh well, not enough mobility within the industry, and we have to do better. But you're one of the people who are contributing to the problem. You shut me down. You shut me down. Do you feel like a lot of your success is like in spite of those people that told you no? Do you feel like that's like a a driver for you, like to prove them wrong? I, 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 I do, and. I'll say this, like I said, when I was doing all, when I was basically just on like this whole like rampage at one point, like I just kept, when I said I really couldn't see what was going on, I was just moving in a, in a sense of almost like anger. I'm at the point now where now that everything has happened, I don't really want to prove anybody wrong anymore. I want to prove it to myself. Because at a certain point, you got to be happy for yourself. You got to stop worrying about what other people think or what they or what they wanted for you. I have to be happy for myself. So that, I'm at a now I'm at a transition point where I'm like, I'm gonna find some joy in this. I'm gonna find some happiness in what I'm doing. I don't care if I gave the re I just sold three bottles. I didn't even sell a whole case to a, to a retailer. I'm like, man, I'm man, I'm happy. I I just got in this store, and that little small milestone, if you just be happy, if, if if you're happy over the small things that happen for you and you give a little after that, you'll be surprised, like, how much you, how much you'll get, like, how, how much big things start happening for you. And you'll really, really be happy over the big things that are happening for you. Because if you walk around just angry all the time about what didn't, what somebody said to you or what didn't happen for you, you will never get there. And so at this point, I'm trying to prove it to myself. I don't even prove I like anything. that. I don't even prove anything to anybody anymore. It's about you. You put in the work. Nobody else did. Absolutely. I like that. I um <clears throat> I went through a really bad period of like what I was trying to accomplish. I was I was directly tying to like people that had I felt had like wronged me or like not worked with me in the past. Mm. And there was like I remember it now. So like in the past like two weeks, I've been like really, really working on that, which is hard for me because I like mm. I'm never wrong. So it's like it's hard for me to like look at a situation and and be like, yeah, like I need to adjust kind of how I I'm thinking about that. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was this this guy. I'm going to try and give as few details as possible because I think he listens to this and I don't I don't want him to, you know, whatever. Um <laughs> But there was this guy and I I felt like he at certain points in like us being like friends had like 
use me to a certain degree. Like he's got his entrepreneurship stuff going on. I've got mine. But I always felt like he was like somebody that he was reaching out when he needed stuff. And like, I'm guilty of that, too, sometimes. Like, I don't think to text everybody I've ever done anything with uh, or know and like just check in on them. Like, I try and do better at that. Mm. But um, I don't know. It felt like the only times he reached out or needed anything, it was like a one way street, like for his side of things. And so like a year ago or two years ago, like I really started looking at what I was doing and being like, yeah, well, like, you know, I've got this going on and he doesn't have anything like this going on. And then he mm. would do something like he he's an amazing guy. Like he's very talented. He's uh, he's kind of like me, like we're we're kind of working towards these successes, kind of trying to build some of the foundation. And he had something like huge happen a couple months ago. And I was so negative about it, like like in my circles, I was like, this is so dumb. Like, why would he do that? That's like not whatever. Mm. And I realized that a lot of what I was trying to do was in spite of this dude and was like, I just want to beat him. And I realized how like futile that was because I wasn't doing it for me or to help people or to share people's stories or anything else. At that point, it was like, I don't like this guy. I feel like we're in competition. I just want to compete. I just want him to do poorly and me to do well. And it was such like a defeatist like way to look at it. And so I really had to like start like shifting that up recently. And so I kind of tried to like make amends with him recently. And um, I'll tell you what, like we kind of touched on it earlier, but like we put a lot of stock into what people think. And I think a lot of the times it's people that aren't thinking about us and so you're you're letting somebody that doesn't really like think about you that much or care about you that much like Mm -hmm. really affect you and uh ever since i kind of like olive branched it a little bit with this guy like i asked him for some help and then i offered him some like some some stuff and we started kind of working back and forth like we've talked like a couple times uh a day for like two weeks And I'm like, I'm like forming this new friendship with this person that I thought hated me and I kind of hated and like I was doing stuff in spite of just to beat and to be better than. And now I'm like, I have this like new person that I can bounce ideas off of that they're going to help me on like this huge project that I'm working on on the side. And I think it's important. That's why I asked you that question, because you more than most people we know have dealt with that rejection, those no's, those people trying to shut you down and cut you out unfairly. And I think the fact that you never got pulled into that game and not pulled down to that level is really admirable because it's not easy. You, you've you been through a lot. Yeah. Man, no, no, thank you. Thank you. Was, I mean, I'm honored for you to, you know, to say those words. It's a, I say this too, when, the minute the minute we start comparing ourselves to people is the minute we start to form self-hate. And I I think that's the biggest thing you want to stray away from because doubt, self-doubt is the most biggest way that we can deter ourselves and remove ourselves from fulfilling our purpose. And we just I can say you just got to prove it to yourself a lot of the times. And it's about finding that, finding that sense of joy. Cause the minute you start looking at what somebody else is doing it, and it's, it's cool. I'll say this. It's okay to envy somebody. Cause you got to look up to somebody and you got to uh, try to, you know, model yourself as somebody and things of that sort. You got to be yeah. inspired. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. But when you start comparing yourself and then getting this sense of jealousy and this sense of spite over things, you start forming self-hate. You start forming self-hate. And you're you're actually restricting yourself from progression of yeah. who you are. It doesn't have to it doesn't have to do a progression of what you're doing, of who you are. And I, I just think those are the biggest things that you just have to you know, it's just it's just one of like those like those bumps of life. Like it's just one of those those lessons. Like we learn it, we're gonna learn a hundred hundred lessons before we die. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> but more, more than 100 lessons. But, you know. It's a lot. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of lessons. And I think the final lesson you do learn before you die is to die. You have to learn how to die. That's pretty, that's pretty profound. Yeah, you have to learn how to die. You ever looked up, like, people's last words or, like, their last sentiments? They, they always run, it's, like, every year around this time, which is terrible, by the way, because, like, people have seasonal affective disorder, and they're running, like, these articles about, like, people's mm-hmm. biggest regrets when they die. And I'm like, guys, <laughs> like, they're trying to make it to Thanksgiving. They don't need that <laughs> yeah, shit right nah, now. We definitely want to think about dying for Thanksgiving. Damn, I just no. want the turkey some gravy. <laughs> but they always, they always publish these things, and as... Morbid as it is, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm somebody I have like definitely a morbid curiosity. I think it's human to like be interested in like death and like horror movies, like all that kind of stuff. Um, Man, death is so weird. It's very strange. But like what you said, like you have to learn how to die. It's they so they'll interview like these nurses that work in like hospice care mm. where it's like these people have between a week and like a couple months to live. Right. And they talk about like the things that they hear from people or like right before they die, like what are they saying? How are they, whatever. And it's interesting because a lot of people have regrets. And one of the big regrets is like working too much, not spending enough time with family. I think that's a huge one for now. Cause it's like, mm. we're, we're like this all day. We're like watching TV or like, you know, you're at work, whether it's virtually or otherwise, like you're just, you're not like in it with people. And the other thing that they hear a lot is like when people are at peace, they're just like, it's almost like what you said, like they've kind of learned how to die. And they're just like, okay, this is, this is it. And, you know, they got family and friends around them, hopefully. But it is interesting because the second one is so much more rare. Mm. And you would think as the only species, I believe still, that has knowledge and and stresses about their eventual death like understanding that death comes and like we think about it our entire lives whenever we learn about it right like from that moment on you would think we would be better prepared for it Mm. and better understanding in your last few years you know you try and focus on this or that and i think i think people do do that but Mm. when you're dying and you're in the process of being dead like getting to that point it's like all these issues come up and it's it's like you would think we'd be better equipped to deal with it you would think like mm. as big of we you know capitalism has made every other industry you would think death in terms of like people like going off peacefully would be a bigger business because from these articles and from these videos i've seen it's like most people are not they're not ready they've got all these regrets they're not ready to leave people behind. And it's just so strange to me that like we're in this very unique position that no other species is in and we still don't deal with it well at all. Mm. I, I'll say this. I mean, death is, we'll never know until we get there. Death is very scary. I think people who are about to die, you know, the elderly, when they're, pretty much approaching death i think they know i think you yeah I, I i think you know i think there's just the body gives off a special feeling like i mean for my grandma example this is one of the people i had the best relationship in my life with and i literally watched her you know start to you know wither away but she kept saying i'm gonna die i'm about to die mm, uh, you know my time is coming this and that I'm like, Grandma, you, Grandma, you are not, you're not about to die. I just kept saying, she's like, what you mean? And I, I, I mean, I loved my grandma to death, so I was like, no, you're going to live forever. Yeah. And I always played with her like that. And she, one time she was in the nursing home because she kept getting sick at one point. And you know, once that kind of like that repeated cycle of them getting sick, you know, you know, it's kind of getting almost time. Yeah. They're always in the hospital. And- yeah. Yeah. And she was just like. I'm I'm about to die. I'm I I think it's gonna be my last day. You know, she'd always try to like give me her last words, and I was just like, I'm not about to die yet. She's like, huh? Why do you think that? I'm like, cause I don't think you've learned everything that you're supposed to learn. You ain't learned your last lesson yet. And she was just like, what? And I think that's the first time my grandma has taught me things my whole life. I think that's the first time I taught her something. Cause I I think it's the first time I taught her something because she didn't respond. She was just looked at me like she was thinking about it. Yeah, and. 
and she got she finally did come back home and she gave me I don't know, I keep talking about grandma. Yeah, I'll, I'll break down here. But she she gave me she gave me her last lesson. And then, you know, you know, the next day, or I think it was two two days later, she she went and I that's when she I I knew that's when she had learned her last lesson because this she she passed she passed it on. She passed down a bit. She she literally told me, she's like, You inherited my characteristic. So they know and I think I really do think it's a special trait in humans. Like we just, you you just know when you're transitioning. Like you feel in your spirit. So it's 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 crazy. It, kinda, it is interesting. Yeah, it's like there's like three areas to me that humans know very little about. It's <clears throat> deep ocean, space, and death. Mm. We know everything that happens up to that point. As far as death, we've sent things into space. We know little pieces about certain places in space and we infer mm. the rest. Deep oceans like who knows what the fuck is in the deep ocean? <laughs> There's still scientists who are like, we don't really know. We don't know what's going on. And it's like right here. It's not on some other planets right here. But yeah, the ocean inspired me. All these things. It's like we we gather data. We understand and we kind of make breakthroughs and we get further and further. Mm -hmm. But with death, our understanding, like as a species, has always stopped right there. We we've inferred a lot of things. And like, yeah, there's like, you know, stuff that has been tested out and, and whatever. Like we we've understood a little bit more, but it's like we really don't we don't know. Like I'm somewhat religious. I'm Christian. So I'm like, OK, I believe in like a heaven and a hell or the concepts at least. And, and something to do with that is like what I believe. But like, if you were um, of a different religion, like Buddhism or Islam or these different things, like everything is kind of different and we infer all these things, but there's also like, we infer about space. We infer about the ocean. We have little indicators. There's like no mm. indicators of what happens after death. There's none. We do, we don't we don't know. There's faith absolutely and you can believe yeah. in things. Mm -hmm. But like it's like no there's no concrete evidence. We really don't know what happens after death and it makes it such a a strange thing and I think that's why humans are so like fascinated with it. Like that's why horror movies are popular. That's why like people kind of are into like some of the creepy things or like they're into dead stuff. Like it's yeah, no. it's something that we don't understand. Yeah, man, it's the unknown. Like we're, we're like very, very fascinated with the unknown. Things we can't see, things we can't touch, and it drives us like, like crazy. Like we we go like neurotic over it. Like it's just like it's weird. It's like man, why? Like why? Why don't I? Why don't I know this? Like when when humans can't figure out something to know, like we lose it. We lose it, and. Death is just one of those things because it's something you can't research, you can't learn, no. can't talk to an expert about. Like you literally just have to have faith. It's like a concrete wall. Yeah, like you, we really don't know. We don't know what's gonna happen. We don't even know what it feels like. Like what? What does it feel like to die? Like do you? Does it feel good? Do I don't think anybody's ever even thought about that. Like what if <laughs> like, death feels great? What if you're like. You, you have all this pain on the first side and then you you go through and you're like you should feel amazing i i don't know i, I don't know i mean some people <laughs> smile some people smile on their way out so it's like is it euphoric i don't i don't know you know i mean you know if you believe certain things you feel like you're going to like the the nice place yeah. Maybe <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i guess i guess i guess that is one of the things to keep you going there's all yeah. these stories of like people who like they like code out mm -hmm. and like they see things or whatever um and uh, my my best friend, his dad, um, I think he'd be comfortable with me sharing this. His dad um, had a heart attack, and uh, and coded out. And mm. I'm I'm trying to remember what he said about it. I think he said, like he didn't see shit. Like it's not like there was whatever. But there's other people that like have died and come back, like not like fully dead, but like you know coded or whatever. Yeah. And they're like. Oh, like I saw hell or, oh, I saw heaven. Like there was a light, there was fire. Like, it's just, 
it's such a strange thing to like think about that we're here we put so much emphasis into like creating something or doing something like a podcast or starting something like a vodka brand and then like but we know like there's no nothing that we do here is going to like save you like you're 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 dead like you're going to die you cannot stop yourself from dying you can delay it but it's going to happen it's just such a strange it's a strange part about humanity and yeah it's weird because like what we do here it has purpose but doesn't have meaning yeah like that's the scary part because it's like all right you can do all these things in life right and then when they give you your obituary and you know you're about to have your funeral everything everything you did in your life is three paragraphs <laughs> right if if they're feeling nice yeah they're feeling nice yeah depending on who wrote it yeah we'll give them three yeah we'll i was gonna we'll, give them two yeah but... we'll, we'll leave that out yeah like it's, yeah it's, let's... it's, 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 it's kind of it's, it's one of those weird things it's like you can do all these things and then your funeral they're reading like three paragraphs and you did all this in life to get to these points and to prove your purpose and it just, and it just, it, it means it has no currency. I think that's why it's so important to like find purpose in life. Yeah. Because if you're not doing anything, I think these thoughts about like, yeah. who's going to go to my funeral? How long is my obituary going to be? Like, what's mm-hmm. going to be in it? I think it's a lot harder to look at that. How I feel like people should maybe look at death is like, either depending on what you believe, like a transition or like a peace, like a rest, right? Like that's, I think most cultures believe it's either a peacefulness, a non-existence. Some of them believe like you come back and do other stuff, but that's also like kind of a form of like peace, right? Because you get to like kind of restart and then, or it's a transition to somewhere else. And I think like, People are scared of change. Death is like the biggest change, which I guess makes sense why people are so scared of it. But mm-hmm. I feel like it's easier to look at that with more peace and to not dread it when you feel like you're doing something with purpose. You're creating, you're helping other people, you're doing good things. And I think like even for people, maybe like atheists who are like, there's no heaven now. Like you die, you dead, you're dead, like you're gone. There's no, like, nobody's weighing all your actions in life. I think it's almost like it's an incentive for those people to also try and live good lives. It's like you only have one and you're trying to find purpose in it. Why shouldn't your purpose be to be a good person and also to have a good time? Like both of those things combined Mm. because you get to do it once. And then if you're lucky and you did a good job, you might leave a legacy that lasts longer than you for a certain amount of time. But I think it's like, it's such a taboo topic and it's it's regarded as really weird when like, if you live your life thinking about it, but not in like a negative way, thinking about it as kind of like a, like a motivator. Like I wanna do the most good. I wanna be the most productive. I wanna spend the most time with my family. Like things like that, I feel like it's it's a better way to think about it so that when you do eventually end up in that bed or wherever you are and you're dying, which everybody has to go through, you can feel like you did it. You can feel mm-hmm. like you ran your life how you maybe were supposed to. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know how we got onto death, but <laughs> this is good. I like this is a good this is a good conversation. I feel like when whenever you and I talk, we we like to get into the deep conversation. Oh yeah, yeah, stuff. definitely, definitely deeply intellectual. It's it's funny because like. Excuse my language, but my dad, he would always come in if he was like frustrated with his time or something like that. He'd be like, you know what? You go around this bitch once. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, I, I go around That's this right. thing. I go around this thing once. I got to live my life to the fullest. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's some of those, like, those sayings you don't ever forget from your parents. It's like, yeah, I only go around like, this thing one time. Like, that made a lot of sense. Yeah. You're like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. You normally don't make any sense. No, but I like right, that part. Right, I like that one. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things. And, nah, that's that's funny. It's real, though. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think that's that's a good place to stop. Yeah. <laughs> hey, well, we'll leave it on that note. You go around this bitch once. You, you better make once. it count. You better have a good time. Yes, sir. <laughs> I really enjoyed having you on. Uh, why don't you tell the people at home where uh, where they can find your stuff, where they can buy your stuff, where they can follow you, all that good stuff. I'm very excited because we have uh, that launch party coming up. Mm. I'm I'm very ready for that. We got four premier launch events. I love it. All throughout Maryland, D.C. So this will be coming out on November sixteenth. November sixteenth. Yes. Okay. All right. So November sixteenth, we got this releasing. And as far as if anybody listening wants to find Lumiere Vodka, you can find it's Lumiere Vodka across all social media handles. We're on everything. We have a presence on everything: YouTube, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, LinkedIn, wherever you want to find Lumiere. L U M I E R E. No spaces. Vodka. Look us up. Find Lumiere. Hey, we get taste right the first time. We have distribution and locations all throughout Maryland and D.C. You go to LumiereVodka.com, click find love, and I want y'all to go find the love. Hey, taste the love. I love that. I love that. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming on, man. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. As usual, guys, you can find the podcast at totspodcast.com. That is uh, we're promoting everything. Check the Instagram for new updates. We're also on everything. Uh, if you want to watch this podcast, if you're at home, you're watching right now, it's good. Good on you. Um, instead of listening, you can go to our YouTube at Totscast uh, on YouTube or Tots Podcast. So you can see Terrence's lovely face and, and his very nice suit and and his uh, his bottle that the he brought bottle. here. The green bottle. Absolutely. But uh, guys, this is our third episode of season five. I really enjoyed it. And uh, we'll see you guys next month, December. Thank you. Absolutely. All the love, bro. <laughs> All the love. <laughs>